Hi, I'm Katrina Ingram. Welcome to Back to School Again, the show for midlife learners recorded at the Norquest College Innovation Studio. We talk with midlife learners about their educational journey, sharing their stories about how they are balancing the demands of school, work, and family, and where they hope their educational pursuits will take them. Choosing to retrain and change careers in midlife is a challenge, but when you add to that coming to a new country, learning a new language, and not having the credentials you've earned in your home country recognized in Canada, it can feel more than a little overwhelming. My guest today is Nemaya Lodu. Nemaya immigrated to Canada in 2011 from South Sudan, where he was an HR administrator. Upon arriving in Canada, it quickly became apparent that he would need to shift gears and find another line of work, which led him on a journey back to the classroom. Nimaya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Now, let's start with your departure from South Sudan and coming to Canada. Can you take us back to that time in your life and tell us what was happening for you and your family? Yeah, thank you for this time that you're going to hear about my story from where I've been from South Sudan. Yeah, it has been a little bit uh, uh, up and down and uh, really traveling situation when I was back home. Uh, there was a lot of political turmoil going on in that time in my country where I live in terror and, you know, with the inadequate kind of uh, social uh, infrastructures that uh, supports life and a lot of famine going on and education becomes very hard to attain because our lives are disrupted. We uh, stay in fear all the time. And uh, in that situation, then I have to move to a neighboring country, that's uh, Uganda. And I spend most of my life in Uganda, like even attaining my higher education. But then, uh, suddenly, situation changed also in Uganda where I was settled as a refugee. In the, in the northern part of the country where a rebel movement emerged that was called the Lodge Resistance Army. It was really a brutal rebel group that uh, abducted, mimed, or mutilated people. They looked for young and energetic people to join them and recruit them to become rebels. And the way they are uh, conducting the activities is really so brutal that... Uh, it is scarce and disrupt life activities, killings. So, um, I find myself in really tough situation that time. Uh, sometimes you know, I have to spend uh, the nights in the bushes, leave my house, sleep outside in the bush to escape abduction because they come in the night and look for food and then for people to join them. So it's also, it has been a little bit miserable life, really. Our camp was invaded all the time with them. They come at night and the wee night hours. So when you are sleeping, you don't expect that uh, things are happening. And in that situation, it went for about a long time. And that uh, really, I cannot see meaning of life. And I have to decide that uh, it's good if I look for a settlement somewhere. And the first thing coming to mind is that I can apply to Canada because I have some friends here. So and then I stated my application for resettlement to Canada, which took actually a very long time, about six years, to <laughs> to to be accepted. And then gradually, I was granted the permanent residency in 2011. That's when I landed here. 
And I came alone. I left my family back, uh, uh, my wife and a little, little daughter. And it was very, very hard to leave them behind because I thought to come with them. But the reason is that uh, when I applied, I haven't married yet. That's why I'm saying that it took very long time to, to get approved to come here. So in the process, I did not know that I was going to be coming here. And then I got married, and then I got a trial. And then when the, uh, the letter came that, oh, you approved to come to the southern Canada, then I have to think twice that maybe, you know, I don't want to go. I have my family here. I have my little daughter here. And then I thought, maybe let me come and then leave them behind. And then I applied for them to join me. So when I went for the final interview for the resettlement, the interviewer told me that, okay, you are married, you can come, and immediately when you landed here, you can apply for your wife to come. You know, oh, I said, that's good news. And he immediately started the process of the application right there. So I applied for my family before I could come here. And then he put that in the file. So when I landed here and um, apply, they will be able to look into my file and see that uh, initial application that we started from. Nimea, that that is an incredible story, and it it's hard to relate in some ways because in Canada we don't necessarily think about you know having our personal safety at risk uh, every day, and and so you know when you think about that um, in relation to uh, careers and education, which is what we're going to talk about more, it sort of pales in comparison. It really kind of puts things in in perspective. Um, hearing you share that story. Um, I do want to talk a bit about uh, your career in South Sudan. Um, you were an HR administrator. Um, what was it about HR that kind of drew you into that profession? And, and what was your work life there uh, as an HR administrator? Well, HR administrator came to my life after finishing my college. And then it's the first thing that I, I, I got hired to do. And uh, I thought that this may be my my career to, to build on it. And it's really become a very busy one. It's a very busy to be a human resource administrator. A lot of things that I was doing, ranging from administration, recruitment, and uh, planning, staff traveling, and, uh, and uh, payroll preparations, interviewing new recruits, all that makes my, li- my, my day so busy and credit with the work all the time. Sometimes when I get home, I have to do other things in my free time after relaxing so that I can catch up in the morning in the office. So um, it's here there a little bit added a lot of activities here. I thought that I think that um, there's departments that deals with the payrolls and recruitment and, and staff welfare or dealing with staff disputes and kind of like that. But that is all there on my table. So I have to work together with my manager and with the other colleagues to team up together to finish the day-to-day administrative work up on the HR department. Sounds like a really diverse set of, of tasks that you had to deal with on, on any given day. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, so you you arrived in Canada. It was 2011, um, and you did you come to Edmonton right away, or did you arrive somewhere else in Canada? How did you wind up in Edmonton? Uh, I landed directly here in Edmonton, not anywhere. Um, when I was applying to research here, you have to choose where you want to go. 
So and then I used to be in Edmonton because I have some friends here who were who came ahead of me. Uh, that's why I used to be here. Right. You yeah. had the little community already yeah, here, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned in your guest's questionnaire that I ask all my podcast guests to complete that you had your educational credentials assessed by IQAS, which is the Alberta government's international qualifications assessment process. Can you tell us about how that process works and what happened to you in going through that process of having your educational credentials assessed when you arrived here? Yeah, IQAS, they call it IQAS like that, IQAS. So I came to know that uh, IQAS in uh, Brandon Institute, that's a Brandon Center for Education right there in downtown here. So when I landed, I was looking for for jobs and then uh, looking for a way of getting back to school. So I was referred that that Brandon Center for Education helps people to get their career path and then also help immigrants connect to get jobs. So I went there and then I was put into counseling for for for, for education, that I need to continue with education. But then at the same time, I need to, to get a job. So and then I ended up, okay, I need to get a job from my career, that is the human resources. So I was directed to lady who is specifically uh, guiding or counseling people in that department. So then she said, you know what, you better go and upgrade. You can't get job in this department if you get your qualifications overseas. So then she said, the first step you should do is um, uh, get your documents, get assessed by IQAS. And then from there, you'll be able to get admitted to, to, to any college that you want to go to. So they said, oh, yeah, that's right. And then I got my documents. They actually paid for it because they assisted the immigrants in that process. So I sent my documents, and then it was uh, assessed. And then it came out that uh, my education is equivalent of a Canadian uh, university degree. So I can upgrade to whatever I need to go to. So and then I said, oh, yeah, that's good. And then, then I started applying with that uh, assessment from the IQAS. But unfortunately, Xcology has their own internal assessment. So whenever I go with that and mention that, I said, no, we don't recognize the IQAS one. We have our own internal uh, assessment process. So if you want to do this course, bring your documents, we have to again go through it. You have to pay a fee for that. Then I said, oh. That's another way too. So what's the point of doing this? That's mm-hmm. in my head only. So you're hitting these roadblocks, even though you had this assessment and you had everything cleared that it was an equivalent, you were hitting all of these roadblocks because everybody had their own assessment process. Yes, yes, wow. exactly. Wow. Everyone has their own yeah, internal assessment, yeah. So what was going through your mind? Um, I, I'm imagining you realize at this point you might need to change careers, you might need to do something different. Were, were you embracing that? Were you... Um, were you stressed about that? How did you deal with that news? It was very stressful. Sometimes I said, no, I need to embrace it. I need to really push on. I need to get my new career. I need to upgrade to get a better profession. But sometimes on the way, you know, it, it got really so overwhelming that I said, no, I cannot manage now. It's getting very tough. I cannot do that. So, and then 
I have to pause. I have to pause. I have to say, okay, let me stop searching for, or for, for upgrading or looking for new career. Let me get into the jobs and then, um, and get to work and then later on come back to, to to take what I can get and then, uh, also researching harder to find out exactly what I can go to do in school again that will be meaningful and that can make me useful to do something important in my life. Yeah, and then I have to venture to do jobs. I have to do some an unskilled jobs. I have to do unprofessional jobs, uh, what they term as survival jobs. <laughs> when, when we're getting the job counseling kind of like that, okay. Get into getting survival job that can give you food on the table, that can pay your bills and make you running here and there to set things. And then that's when I I ended up doing that for about uh, three, four years now. Yeah. I'm just imagining as someone whose profession is HR as well, because you know you were the person who was recruiting uh, people in South Sudan. You were you were that person who was helping people find a career. Um, just kind of all the professional knowledge that you brought to your own process, I imagine in some ways that must have been even more challenging just with your own background in HR. Yeah, it was a really big challenge because um, even everything become very new to me. Everything like... Even resume writing, I have to get trained on it, how to write it according to the Canadian way. Yeah, so my resume that I came with is is it's not worth working anymore. It's it's just nothing. So if I apply with that one, nobody will know what I did. What's this one? So I have to go back to zero to adjust that to 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 tune according to the environment here and what employers need. And still, the, the qualifications or the experience and the skills that I gained in that in that time when I was back home is meaningless. Nobody knows that you did this. You know, yeah. they 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 look into it, but they don't understand what's there. Though it's the same thing that people are doing in in the day to day job here in that field, but from overseas, no, right. nobody will organize that. Yeah, and you decided to go in, in quite a different path um, to become a healthcare aide, and we're going to talk about that a bit more. But before you did that, there were a number of pieces that you had to put in place, and you did some upgrading, and you actually spent some time here at Northwest College. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, so starting to get into new career is really is a tough decision to take. You, you have to prepare yourself, you have to think twice and really evaluate that if this is the right thing. And when I decided to go to the healthcare aid, yeah, before I was here in, in the Northwest, I was doing ESL, though I didn't finish it. I just stopped on the way and quit the class. And then after that, I I went to do an online, that's intercultural communication management here also. That was for about three months kind of online conversation. That one we finish it. Uh, I, I finish it up to the end. Then after that, I I didn't think of taking even healthcare aid at that time. My mind was to get to a different thing now that, okay, let me stop this education thing. Let me get into work because I have to help my family back home and respond mm-hmm. to them to come here. Mm-hmm. So if I keep going to the school, I cannot balance like going to work and then coming to school at that time. 
And then I just stop everything. I stop everything and then I just went and go look for jobs. Right, the survival yeah, jobs. The survival jobs, The survival yes. jobs. Yeah. So then how did you actually land on uh, the healthcare aid program and, and what gave you that that drive to say, yes, I'm actually going to prioritize my education even though I need these survival jobs? Yeah, yeah. So why I decided to take the healthcare aid is after long decision taking, after long uh, exploring what I can do really because I find myself trapped into doing those survival jobs trapped indeed it's an unskilled job though it gives me money to support myself and you know, I was able to bring my family here but it it, 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 it don't make me to learn something uh, I don't learn skills you just go do the job and that's it the same thing and it don't open my mind to a new challenge kind of like that so and then I say oh let me look for a career that challenges me, a career that opened me to also the world to learn things in life, to learn new ideas. So I think maybe healthcare aid can give me that opportunity because it is an overwhelming career that you meet different kind of people, you work with many people from different cultural backgrounds. So I can learn a lot of skills from them too. So they say, okay, right, let me take this course and it will lead me somewhere at least to become a professional in future. My, uh, my intention is not only to end as healthcare aid, but to upgrade to maybe LPN or registered nurse. That's, that's my, my way forward. Because this is the beginning of stepping on to doing something important. And then so that I can do more important, more, more, more to more extent, I mean, so that I can help people more. Something that you can build on for the future and, yes. and have a bigger vision for. And you shared with me also that you were working at the Grey Nuns Hospital. Was that before you decided to become a healthcare aide? And did, if so, did that kind of play into your decision, like being in that hospital environment and seeing all the opportunities in healthcare? Or how did that come together? Yes. Yeah. So right when I decided to take the the survival jobs, that's when I got a job in the in the Grey Nuns Hospital as a porter and in the housekeeping department as well. So I did that, I think, for five years. And yeah, it is an inspiring thing to do to make me decide to do something in a hospital setting, like now the healthcare aid, so I can progress to the nursing, uh, registered nurse kind of like that. If I'm not in the hospital setting, I think I will be taking that course because I have no idea of how it is, how it is really and what people are doing in it. But when I'm in that environment, I was, I was able to see what people are doing, uh, what's their job like, then I get interested to, to, to take that right. as my career path. Well, let's talk a bit about your program. So it's with the Academy of Learning Career College. Can you tell us a bit about what the program is like? How long is it? What are you learning? Who else is in the program with you? It was an intensive program for six months. Very, very intense, really. You go there, it's busy. You come home, it's busy. So, well, it is a six-month one, and we learned a lot of things. I learned about Canadian healthcare systems, how they work, how they operate, and then overall patient care and support and encouragement. You know, if I talk about patient care, it's about uh, emotional, cognitive, and physical well-being. So, if one is sick, you know you are affected in those three parts of your life, emotionally, 
and then uh, cognitively you cannot think very well sometimes you disorient about what you want to do and physically the body is weak so we are uh, taught how to support persons to be better in that situation so that they feel more better besides the medicines that will be given uh, the physical and emotional well-being is really very important for the person to stay well so that's in depth what we we studied in in summary and uh, we're about 15 in that class but uh, three of them dropped and then we ended up only 11 yeah 11 four dropped and then we are 11 in the class both of us are all all of us are all from different educational backgrounds so we got nurses there we got uh, administrators we got uh, cooks uh, yeah a variety of skills there so they all also are looking for new career path to to take because there are things they do before uh, are not also taken into consideration the education background back home is not there so most of them are from the philippines and then indian and then me from africa yeah so we yeah we are diverse class uh, multicultural class too yeah that's really nice and there's something nice about having a small group of people that you can get to know really well uh, as well and and go on the journey together um, now it's a six-month program it, is it full-time are you working at the same time or how how does that work yeah it was a full-time really it's full-time and I was working as well so. and you were working and going to school full-time <laughs> going to school full-time yeah so oh. I, I have to go in the morning my program I choose is in the morning and I choose it near to the workplace I will up come up to here to to Northwest but it's, it's a little bit distant so if I have to take it here I will I will not be able to catch up to work so I have mm -hmm. to be nearby so I finish work uh, I finish class at 2 p.m. and then catch to get a job to work from 3.30 up to 11.30 so between that timing of my work I will take my assignments during my break times it's very short one, but I have to really concentrate that time. I have to use it so meaningfully. I have to get out of the dining room and, and sit somewhere to do my assignments or read my notes, and then back to work until 11.30. When I get home, uh, before I go to sleep, I have to at least read for an hour, and then I go to sleep around 1 a.m., and then wake up around 7. It was quite busy and so stressful. I have no time with my family completely. They miss me a lot. I miss them a lot. Uh, I leave very early in the morning. My kids don't see me. And then I come at the night. They don't see me too. I find them sleeping. So sometimes I have to cut some hours from work so that I can come home at least and eat dinner together. And they were very happy at that time if they see me. And then for one hour, I play with them. And then I say, okay, look, I'm going to read. And they were kind of sad. Why are you going? I said, no, I, I'm coming to do something. I come sleep with you, so don't mind. <laughs> wow, so, that, that is a very intense schedule. Yeah. Uh, like, how how do you keep yourself going? Because that is a real, and for six months, it's a really long time to live that way. Um, what keeps you going? Because I, to, to be committed at that level, uh, to essentially working full-time and going to school full-time, there's got to be something deeper that's driving you. Yeah, the driving factor is the, the determination to get into a new skill, into a new career, 
That's the only driving factor. And the fact that I don't want to continue doing this survival job for lo- for life. That's the biggest driving factor because if I keep doing it, and then I got nothing. So if I do not read, and then I will be back to that uh, job that I'm doing again, so, because I don't like to continue. So that's the big, big driving force that uh, is making me to do that without getting tired. The encouragement, self-encouragement, and then uh, determining that, okay, I need to do this, I'll do this. It's only six months, so it's not too long. I will do it. So and then that's what makes me push until I obtain it. And I did it better. So when they, my colleagues, when they see finally that I, I am transitioning to a new career, they said, what? Did you go to school? I said, yes. When did you go to school? You're here working full time. We didn't see you missing work. I said, well, I go in the morning, come here in the evening because it's just a morning class, morning classes. I said, wow, that's a big surprise. How did you do it? I said, no, I, I even don't know how I'm doing it, <laughs> but I did it. I'm now doing something different. And then we just end up laughing and then they say, oh, you are. You are tough. You you are really determined to do what you you want to become. That's amazing. Yeah. And you mentioned, of course, that your family missed you. Your kids missed you. How did they? How did things? How were? How did things go for that six months for them? How did they adjust to you being away so much with school and work? They get hardly adjusted because they really need me to be there. They 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 need to see me around. They need to see me take them out to play for basketball, right? So that that one is not there now. I, I don't do that for them. So uh, sometimes they have to forget that. Okay, daddy was coming home. Uh, he's here. But when I leave the house, like they they see me going, they say, "Where are you going? You just been here and you're going." I said I'm going to work. Uh, How many jobs you are doing? Yeah. <laughs> They're asking for tough questions. I said, well, I do one job and I go to school too. Then they could run to the window and then look until I drive away. And then they wave, they, they wave to me and then it feels sad for me because mm-hmm. I, I have no time for them. Mm-hmm. And my wife adjusted easily because she, she know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she was able to do other things that I'm supposed to be helping her in the house. She could take that one when I'm... Um, Really, really busy, and when I'm there for some time, I will help her out doing that. So children never adjust when you're not there. Sometimes they they want to go with me. I said, no, you cannot come with me. I'm going to work. I'm going to school. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I cannot. I can do nothing for them. But now, I'm happy that um, I'm done with that uh, six months, and I just have little time with them. I can take them out right i can stay with them i can teach them what they want to learn even have time them. to come be on a podcast yes so <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i got time to help them with their homework kind of like that it's quite busy and overwhelming that's nice to be on the other side of it yeah um now you've had post-secondary education experiences in two countries in south sudan and in canada and i'm just curious in in knowing um about the similarities or the differences that you've encountered um in pursuing education in, in two very different countries um 
the differences? Uh, though I don't know much about here because I haven't gone really to deep studies in the colleges here. I don't know much about it, but um, there's quite similarity because uh, what we are studying there, the subjects are all the same ones, only that how it is delivered and and and, and how uh, it was organized, like in termly wise. But otherwise, I'd say the similarities are there that uh, we study the same subject. For example, human resources are the same subjects that we, we study back home. And uh, here, they are the same period of time too, like three years or more. And uh, when you finish job, that's where the, the difference is because um, things are developed here specifically according to the department. You don't have to do variety in the same time, like what I mentioned, I was doing quite a lot of things like recruitment, uh, staff welfare, uh, payrolls, interviewing, all those those stuff on the one table. But here it's kind of divided into sections that you deal with, not one person encompassing everything. There's a lot um, more specialization. Yeah, lot, yeah, specialization. Yeah. And the big challenge that I got is that my my degree I finished was from ethics and development studies. And it's not here. It's, it's just nothing here like that, I think. <laughs> so it was cross-cutting, like preparing me to work in different sectors, in the community, administration, cross. But when I came here, it cannot be classified. What did I specialize on exactly is is, is the question, is the challenge. Right. It yeah. sounds quite quite general and, yeah, and general, yeah. 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 Whereas a healthcare aid is, is a very specific yeah, thing. Yeah, specific thing, yeah, specific yeah. thing. So that could be the difference that is there. I can say that education is based on regional practices kind of like that some courses done here are specific for whatever is here to be done and in my region in South Sudan whatever I started is maybe specific in that specific area and when I finish school I definitely get job right away in it right. compared to here so Namiya what has been the most positive thing for you about this whole experience of going back to school uh, the first thing is I got what I want now. I, I I got a career path that I'm going to build in. I've been persisting into getting a career path. So now it's positive to me that I'm now geared towards a direction. And on the way of searching all that, you know, I met people on my way who are very positive, who are very encouraging, who are push back us that okay go you can do it what are you doing go ahead never wait never waste time right so those are all accounted to be a positive way in all the just that I was going experience that I'm going through if I if I didn't meet just kind of friends and people I will still remain behind I'll I'll still be sighing away that oh it's too much I cannot I cannot handle that now let me just do what I can do for now and sit. So all that I count it as positive. 
through the experience that I faced through all this path that I was going through. I'm not happy that I got a, a path and I will try to build on it. I'll try not to waver away from that. I'll try to go deep into that way. So in terms of building on it, what do you see as next for you? I imagine in, you probably want to take a bit of a break from school, having gone through six months of school and working, but what do you see for yourself in the future? In the future, I need to, I need to upgrade more. I need to do, uh, because I finished my program in April, the healthcare aid one in April, and I want to work for, for more six months. And then after that, I need to look into a way of upgrading to become an LPN or a registered nurse. That's what I am looking towards. That's my vision now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I also don't want to say, okay, I already got what I want now. I'm going to do this as my career for life. No. I say I will I will still want to progress further. Well I'm doing important thing right now as healthcare aid, but not to a certain extent. So I need to do more to a certain extent. Right. Than what I'm doing now. One step on your bigger journey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything through going through this process so far? Was there anything that surprised you that, about the journey, or, or something that surprised you that you learned about yourself? Well, the journey about all these change of careers, right? Is it's a big surprise itself to me. Mm. It's a very big surprise because when I came in here, I was fully convinced that I'm going to step onto the career that I was doing before. But surprisingly, no. And then I have to search again. It's a big surprise and a shock sometimes. And no surprise to me, new systems, new people, you know, all that are big surprises to adjust to. And new environment together, there's a big surprise. The environment determines what you are supposed to be doing. So if you do not adjust yourself to that environment, uh, it's hard to, to to do something. So with all the surprises in the new environment, I have to adjust, I have to say, okay, look here, some, I am going to be for some part of my life. So I have to step on, I have to adjust onto it, and then continue building my life on that's fantastic advice. I'm wondering if there is any other um, wisdom or advice that you might want to share for new immigrants who may be facing similar challenges in coming to a new country and realizing that they might need to do something different. Yeah, my word to the new immigrants who are already here is, you know, it's a it's a big challenge. I know what they're going through. I've been going through that, though different person meets different challenges but uh, maybe of, of the same degree. I, my advice is that uh, let them not waste much time, rather let them go and upgrade. Go and upgrade your education or start looking for a new career path as early as possible. Because mm. if you keep knocking at the same career path you've been doing that you need to get a job in it, you, you may not get it. So the only way is to go to school, upgrade it, and then or choose a new uh, career and come to the job market. Uh, I encourage them to be determined in what they're doing, what, what they're looking for. It's quite challenging to, to, to get focused, to keep on track, 
especially you are in a new country, you don't know people who you can go to and get some support. You have to determine yourself. You have to focus on what you're looking for. If you get out there, there are people who are willing to help you. If you ask, you know, say that ask and you'll get what you want, right? People, when you ask that I'm looking for this, they give you the ideas and then you you step onto it. So that's what I encourage them that I don't get focused and get out, get some encourage, encouragement and some wisdom. Let them not relent from the path of looking at uh, education or a uh, new career. On the way, it is a big challenge, but if you if they do not stop, and then they will get better life and better chances to 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 continue in life rather than sitting back or do other things. As I said that when I did some jobs, uh, they are good. Yeah, do that. They help you to climb up. Don't sit back and and look for support that I cannot work. You have to do anything that can give you money. And then you can get from that money to go ahead to to build up your career. Yeah. Because without that you can't you can't go. Mm-hmm. A lot of immigrants yes come and they they will sit back and get the little support that they might get from friends or from government then say, Oh yeah, this is what I can be or no. Don't do that one. Do that one for a short time to adjust yourself and get to do it by yourself. Yeah, That's great advice. And Nimea, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out, for being on the podcast, and for sharing your story. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Katrina, for having me here. This episode of Back to School Again is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit community of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Unit B has the usual startup amenities, but it also has a podcasting studio, and it's located on 104th Street, close to everything in downtown Edmonton. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. I'm proud to be a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. The network is home to many great creators, people like Jonna Lowther of the Life with Dementia podcast. So many of us are caring for family members with Alzheimer's or dementia, and at times it can feel like everything you're experiencing is just so overwhelming. Well, you're not alone. Jonna has a lot of experience working in this space, and she shares relevant research, tips, and personal stories. Learn more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Now back to our show. Survival isn't something I think about too often. I've been incredibly fortunate to live a pretty comfortable life in a safe country. I don't worry about someone coming in the middle of the night to harm me or my family. This podcast is all about midlife people going back to school and dealing with the challenges of finding balance. But when you look at those concerns in the context of hearing about Nemaya's life, it really puts things in perspective. Nemaya's determination to make his life in Canada better, to move beyond survival jobs and towards a brighter future, it's incredibly inspiring. He clearly sees the value of education in that process and has a vision for accomplishing his long-term goal as a healthcare professional. Listeners of the podcast might recall that my master's program has a spring institute, which I've referred to as academic boot camp. 
This is three weeks of full-on time in the classroom. Our program makes a point of telling students not to even try to attempt to manage their regular jobs during this time. Hearing Nehemiah describe his six-month academic journey of going to school full-time during the day and working an evening shift, of doing his readings at midnight and his assignments during his coffee and dinner breaks, it amazed me to think about the level of commitment, dedication, and sheer willpower needed to stick with that schedule. Lastly, I've been thinking about issues of identity a lot this past year. When Nehemiah came to Canada, he left his credentials at the border. He was no longer recognized as a qualified HR administrator. He realized that he wouldn't necessarily be able to easily rebuild those qualifications, and so he moved on. But I don't think it's easy to move on. We both take our past with us and leave pieces of ourselves behind when we change our work identities. At least that's been my experience. I'm grateful to have met Nehemiah and to be able to share his story with you. That's our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like the show, please give us a rating. It helps other people connect to us. You can reach me at backtoschoolagain.ca or at schoolagainpod on all the usual social channels. I'd love to hear your story. Back to School Again was recorded at the Norquest College Innovation Studio, located on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional homeland of First Nations and Métis peoples. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Norquest College, for supporting the show and to our talented technical producer, Corey Stroder. Back to School Again is proud to be affiliated with the Alberta Podcast Network. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. See you next time.